JD. Good morning. How's Good. it going? Good. Happy Monday. Happy Monday. Monday matters. Monday matters. What'd you right. talk about this week? We looked at the end times. We both did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was uh, one of my favorite subjects. Yeah. <laughs> me, me too. I started off talking about how since I was a kid, I've been fascinated with like post-apocalyptic dystopian books and movies yeah. and TV shows. Are you interested in that kind of stuff too? You know, one of the things that I talked a little bit about yesterday, that's the stories we tell. That's the Hollywood stories. Mm. They're dystopian. We, we don't tell utopian stories. We tell dystopian stories where, you know, your hero is uh, trying to find, scratch out a living and they're trying to find a place where, where they can, you know, survive on a ruined planet. Yeah, it's kind of sad. <laughs> yeah, well, it's sad, but it's like the full, I feel like these end of time stories uh, really bring out the full depth of human experience. Really? Yeah. Well, at least one of the movies that Megan and I have cried together with, and there's not many movies where both of us have cried, is, yeah, this uh, zombie apocalypse movie, Train Ride to Busan. Have you seen it? No. no have you seen it, Justin? No. No, you haven't seen it. But yeah, where it's like the full depth, and at the end, I'm not going to spoil it, but there's this, you know, the deep spiritual truth i would say of sacrifice is somewhere in the movie and we're both just crying because yeah when, wow. when life gets rough it's there's this deep truth that the world is coming to an end and we like talking yeah. about that and it brings out this full depth of truth that we all have ingrained you know within us wow yeah crying at zombie wow. movies i, I know really i share know that i share that i like zombie <laughs> stuff at church you yeah. know in my sermon but not that i cried at it but yeah it's deep stuff powerful stuff wow interesting what did you guys uh, talk about yesterday um, so we talked about uh, the end of times. So uh, first off, that it's coming. Um, yeah. And the second yeah. off is what the signs of it are. And the signs are all bad. So it's going to be rough. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, one of the questions that a lot of people are asking is, are we in the end of time? Mm-hmm. And uh, if so, where are we in the end of time? And uh, what would your take to that question be? How, how would you answer that? I mean, yeah, we're, we're definitely in the end of time in the sense that, um, you know, we're after the resurrection. And so any time after the resurrection is the end of time mm-hmm. uh, by definition. But um, <laughs> how long will that end of time last? You know, is it going to be today or thousands of years? Yeah. You know, I'm kind of under the impression that uh, we got a long way to go. A long way to go. I, I really do think so, yeah. Yep, because if you, you know, you can't be let down if you <laughs> if you put it off pretty late. <laughs> no. I mean, like how long? If you had to, I, if you had to guess, I, point blank, how I many would, years? I'm going to say we're going to be around for th- humanity. He's going to be around for thousands of years. Thousands, tens of thousands, or just I thousands? don't know about tens of thousands, okay. but so you'd say like uh, six I, I, I won't. To eight I won't see that many of those years, probably. Yeah, yeah. Unless you know, there's some way to artificially extend our lives, right? Which if, probably won't if happen. you could download my essence into a computer, <laughs> something cool like that wouldn't that be great? <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and the hard part is when we look at our history um, as followers of Christ, um, theologian you know, deep scholar, the most spiritual people, they've always predicted when the end of times have been. Um, And so doing research for the sermon this week, it's really easy for us to cast stones at, you know, oh, the Mormons, they predicted when, you know, their leader was really staunch that God's coming back in 18. I had the actual date he predicted in my sermon that I don't have pulled up, but they thought he was coming back in the 1800s. And the same with William Miller, who's, you know, out of which the Seventh-day Adventist denomination came. But um, this is in our traditions as well. So all pro- the whole Protestant tradition comes from Martin Luther. Um, he was very staunch that Jesus was coming back within 300 years, you know, okay. when he was alive. Yeah. Um, John Wesley, the holiness movement, um, mm. founder of the holiness movement, which most 
uh, a lot of evangelical churches come from was also very staunch, you know, with a prediction that, you know, Jesus is coming back here. So um, it's funny. I, I think it's good to take the perspective you're taking where it's, hey, it's sort of loose. I'm not sure. Maybe a long time, maybe short as far as this end fulfillment. Uh, because, yeah, if we think we know when he's coming back, we're wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Uh, and and the, the one thing that he tells us is be ready. You know, watch and be ready. And mm-hmm. and so that have you ever tried to watch something and be ready? <laughs> I mean, that's a hard assignment, isn't it? Yeah. It's like, okay, this is going to happen, so just be ready. It's like hunting. Mm-hmm. You ever hunt? I know. Yeah, you know, you're... Maybe I shouldn't go there. Maybe, maybe like our our listeners are going to be like anti hunters. No, go there, go there. So, but you know, when you're hunting, you're looking for for this animal, Mm -hmm. and and you're you're always trying to to be ready just Mm -hmm. in case. And so, in a sense, you know, Jesus is is saying, "Be ready," and you don't know when I'm going to come back, Mm -hmm. and it'll be like a thief in the night, Mm -hmm. and uh, so nobody is going to be, you know. The moment you predict it's going to be now, you're going to yeah, be off. Exactly. Yeah. And and the cool part, too, is we have to be ready because you and I have a we sort of have a, a time taking time, you know, what hourglass on our time here on this earth. Sure. Um, we're both going to get old and die or something's going to happen to us and we'll die way sooner than or you know, Christ will come back before. or Christ will come back or um, and we talked about this a little bit at Skyrocket. Um, prophecy is truth and prophecy doesn't just have a prediction and a fulfillment, but uh, a lot of times there's partial fulfillments of prophecy and we get a lot of this in the old Testament where these predictions of Jesus were partially fulfilled in the old Testament, but then Jesus is the full fulfillment. Um, and so we look at the early church, they, a lot of them thought they were in the end of times under persecution of Nero because Nero was throwing them. Nero was a Roman emperor. Uh, you probably know the dates he was alive better than I do, but pretty close to when Jesus was alive. And he was throwing Christians in prison, killing them just for saying the name of Jesus, you would get killed. Right, burning um, so them. They, he was burning them, yeah. Um, and they thought, hey, Jesus has to be coming back. Now, the thing is, is that was there's a, a prophetic truth there that there was sort of a apocalypse that they were experiencing. Now, it wasn't the final fulfillment, uh, but there was truth in the end of times and uh, the truths that Jesus tells us about persecution about the love of me and growing cold um, that they experience. And so in our yeah. lives, we might not experience Jesus coming back, uh, but there's stuff going on, on in this world that we could experience still a fulfillment of this prophecy, even if it's not Jesus coming back, that, hey, we're under persecution, we're under times similar to the end of times or what they're going to yeah. look like. Yeah. Uh, run off on a bunny trail for a second. So you said prophecy is truth. Um, so often, though, Prophecy is wrong. Not not biblical prophecy, yeah. but somebody prophesies that this is going to happen, mm-hmm. and when that's wrong, it's not truth. Yeah, and and so you know you hear about people. I have the gift of prophecy. Yeah. Man, <laughs> don't ever claim you have the gift of prophecy because if you get it wrong one time, yeah. you're a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Even one time, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> that's a dangerous. Uh, yeah, and, and uh, I've had people do that. That hey, you know I. God has told me I'm a prophet in, in a lot of the prophetic things that people told me that they thought God was telling them to tell me are really weird. Yeah. <laughs> they had nothing to do with my life. And I think it's this false perception of what prophecy is. It's not prediction fulfillment. Prophecy speaks to the very depths of truths yeah. of our world. And there is a full fulfillment of prophecy where that truth is come to light, just like Jesus full fulfillment of prophecy. Cause that truth is made completely known to us. Um, and it'll be the same in the end of times, but, uh, 
yeah, if you get it wrong, it's not prediction fulfillment because you can. I can prophesy that the Steelers are going to win this week, which would make you really happy, right? No, no, because then I would have to stone you to death because you'd be a false prophet. Exactly. <laughs> because because what I'm saying is eventually I'll get it wrong, right? And yeah, probably this week I yeah, right. get it wrong. Uh, but yeah, that's not what prophecy is at all. It's not prediction fulfillment. It is speaking to the very fabric of truth that only God can do, and so only true prophecy is God spoken, God breathed. Right. Okay. So, um, when you, when you teach and preach, is that in a sense, uh, prophetic? I would say yes. Okay. Um, and I think so because if I'm teaching and preaching JD's gospel, uh, there's a verse where Paul talks about this, you know, any gospel other than my own, if you hear it being taught, um, that's false prophecy because my gospel hopefully is the same as your gospel because we're following the same Jesus. Uh, this is in the sermon we talked about this. What false prophecy is, is it's anything that turns our gaze from Jesus Christ. Uh, because that's what repentance is. Repentance is turning towards Jesus and looking at him. And false prophecy is something that takes our gaze away, whether it's taking our gaze to a doctrine. It might even be a good doctrine. But if we're looking at a doctrine and not Jesus, that's false prophecy. Okay. A pastor, uh, ourselves, anything that turns our gaze from you know Jesus is false prophecy. Um, it's another gospel another gospel and you know i'm i'm not here at least you know and and that's my biggest fear as a pastor and i pray that so i say a little prayer before i before every sermon i say uh because i'm a very simple person and so i'm very aware of my sins that week i'm saying god help me not to get in the way you know help me not to get in the way help me not to taint um your truth you know as it's spoken because that truth is not coming from me uh it's coming from god and so yeah i 100 percent believe that when you and i step on that platform it is prophecy at least i hope it is and when it ceases to be prophecy that is all me and that has nothing to do you know with god what's your perspective on that because you've been doing this a lot a lot you know longer than i have what do you think i mean uh, what you said about you know saying a little prayer before you uh step up to preach i do that too uh something like god may i decrease and you increase something something like that you Mm -hmm. know because um because if it's about me and, and i uh Preaching is a human endeavor. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just is because what it is 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 you're taking the scriptures, and and then you're looking at your story and and your experience of life and and the truth that's in those scriptures, and trying to um, see it, notice it, mm-hmm. uh, help people apply it in their own lives. And so there is a, a real piece of JD when you get up and preach, mm-hmm. uh, but it, but you're not the point. You're just the um, interpreter. It's almost like we're interpreting. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 My experience as I, in our experience, uh, as we read the scripture and as we try to teach it, it's not a perfect experience, but, mm-hmm. but it's the experience that I have. And mm-hmm. so it's the thing that I can share. And, uh, and so is it prophecy? You know, uh, what you were saying right before we started the camera, um, you know, that, that sometimes there's echoes of the truth in prophecy that, that are, ahead of time but then 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 there's the complete fulfillment of Mm -hmm. the prophecy and so in a lot of ways my experience is an echo of Hmm. of the truth in the scripture um rather than the final truth of the scripture so that's that's a great way of viewing it because it would be it's your way what that's your way those are your words you're explaining it better than than i was um that prophecy originates and is fulfilled only by god and so we interact with prophecy but like you said it's it's echoes yeah. Um, I think that's a great way of viewing it that, Hey, I'm not the one giving a prophecy. No, I'm echoing a truth that Jesus 
has already prophesied that God has already prophesied that only God can bring to fulfillment. Right. Right. Yeah. So end times, um, you know, there's a lot of teaching about end times and, and a lot of times people talk like, Hey, I know the way it is. There's a lot of popular podcasts like that. Popular podcasts. Um, this is exactly what's going to happen. This right. is how you be, be prepared. Cause you know, this is in the mark of the beast is this and we see it. And so as soon as, as soon as you do that, as soon as anybody does that and says the mark of the beast is this, but it's not that guess what that is? False prophecy. False prophecy. So we get stone you, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you <laughs> be a lot of pastors stoned. <laughs> Old Testament says, yeah, that's what you do to a false prophet. You know, you, you stone them to death. Now, yeah. obviously we're not going to do that. Um, and we should not do that. If you're listening, kids, if you're watching at home, do not stone people. Um, but yeah, I mean, we have to be cautious yeah. with prophecy and, and, you know, assigning something to, to scripture that is, um, difficult to understand. Yeah. And so would you, would you put this in that category that, Hey, scripture isn't, cause I know that there's tons of different viewpoints pre-tribulation, post-tribulation, dispensationalism, all these really fancy theological terms as far as ways that people conceive of how the end of days are going to happen. To you, is that a salvation issue that we need to know exactly how it's going to happen? Or is it, hey, we don't, and we need to approach this with humility. Um, What's your perspective on on those theological issues? I absolutely think you have to approach it with humility. Um, Do I think I know how it's going to happen? Yes, I do. I do think I do know how it's going to happen, but, but, <laughs> but I'm cautious with that because, yeah. you know, I'm wrong about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, what if the Steelers win next week? <laughs> you know, I've been wrong. Um, yeah. They won't. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I think we have to, we have to be humble because we don't have perfect knowledge mm-hmm. of the scriptures or of the times, um, so, so we do have to be cautious. Now, at the same time, um, you know, as a student of Scripture, I, I can look at certain um, teachings and say, you know, this doesn't line up with Scripture. What are some of those teachings that you've heard that are really common that don't line up with Scripture? So one of my favorite uh, ways of viewing the end times is, is post-millennial. I love the post-millennial thought of uh, that that the world gets better and better and better. And then we usher in the kingdom of God. That's like my favorite way to view it. It's, it's not what I believe, but it's my favorite way. <laughs> it would be it, nice if that it, it would be great because, you know, and, and that was the belief when the United States was founded mm-hmm. was that, um, you know, we, we've discovered a new world and, and this new world opens up new possibilities and we can create a utopia on earth mm-hmm. and, and people will come to know Jesus and, and it'll transform life on earth and then eventually, you know, one nation under God and um, manifest destiny. And, and, and the idea was pure. <laughs> it, it didn't play itself out in, in the most perfect way, maybe. But um, but, but that's not what script, you're saying that that would be but great. That's but that's scriptural. not scriptural. No, yes. no, that's not scriptural. Um, but just I just wanted to make sure that was clear. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So post-millennial view of, mm-hmm. of life, it, it had to do with people were experiencing life in such a way mm-hmm. that it just seemed like this must be the way it is. Mm-hmm. And we have to be careful with that. The same is true with premillennial uh, view of the end times being that, you know, the world is going to get worse and worse and worse, but 
good news. Christians are going to get taken off the planet, and then the world will go into this time of tribulation for a thousand years, whatever. And uh, But at least Christians won't have to experience that. Well, I look at that and say, you know, the reason that that became really popular had to do with, you know, and I, I talked a little bit about this on Sunday. You know, there was the Civil War in America, mm-hmm. and we killed a million of us. You know, we killed... Um, 600,000 northern soldiers and 400,000 southern soldiers, although somebody has looked up those numbers and said I was wrong, actually, that's fake news. I was right. So anyway, <laughs> Justin just gasped behind the camera. <laughs> oh, what in the world? Um, just kidding. Um, and then, you know, World War I comes along, and we're really good at killing each other. And, and uh, we're praying to the same God, but we're killing each other. And then World War II comes along, and then there's the Holocaust and uh, the rise of communism and millions of people. I mean, it's the the world's not getting better. Yeah, you know. So the nobody's a post millennial anymore. I mean, nobody believes that we're ushering in the kingdom of God because the world's just getting better. Um. So we we got very negative, mm-hmm. and and we started to teach. Well, maybe maybe it is going to get worse and worse, and then. God will take the church out and, and they won't have to suffer through this. And so there's some... And you think that's the case? Do you I think, think that's, that's the biblical? case? I Personally, no, I yeah. don't. And, mm-hmm. and the reason I don't is because I hold to um, amillennialism, which is actually traditional. traditionally Christianity was amillennial, that there was no uh, thousand-year reign. It's, it's actually symbolic of a certain mm-hmm. you know situation. But... Um, so I hold to the traditional Christian view of the mm-hmm. end times. Mm-hmm. Now, do I think uh, that I hold anything against somebody if they're premillennial or postmillennial? No, I don't. Because mm-hmm. this this wouldn't be one of those. Hey, this is a core salvation issue, and you need to believe this, you know, or else you can't come to this church. And that's no, that's no, not no. what we're saying. This isn't and not so, even close. Not even close. Um, so a child comes to Christ. Yeah. Well, do they have their end time theology worked out? <laughs> no. So so what are uh, we have all these views uh, and we're we're of the same accord that, hey, all millennials probably what's going to happen. Well, but what's well the, OK, so tell us a little bit about your. So, I mean, so my perspective is, is um, Jesus lived under intense persecution and he made it sound like the end of times, uh, we would also experience persecution. And so that's what I talked a lot in my sermon this week is that, um, the three signs of the end of times, false prophecy, um, uh, persecution, uh, martyrdom, death, and then hearts growing cold. So this sort of dissipation, this lukewarmness that spreads around the church, uh, and this is actually really dangerous nowadays because it says because of unrighteousness where we say, hey, I hate how culture is going. Yeah. So I'm going to put up my church walls. Yeah. I'm going to close the church down. I'm going to stop sacrificing for my enemies. Uh, those are all really bad things and they're hard things. Persecution, um, that's not easy. That's not right. pre-millennial. But uh, Jesus is very explicit that the end of times will be very, very difficult for us. Uh, we live a very cush life. Like we struggle with the two. Uh, hearts growing cold and false prophecy, but there are Christians in the world that are suffering under deep persecution. And I think we will eventually too. Um, so no, I, I, I also hold to the stance that, uh, stuff is going to get really bad, but we're going to be here through it. And we're going to be a witness and a testimony, um, <clears throat> sort of like an echo of how the early church was under Nero. And I think it has to get to that. Uh, that being said, I don't know. And yeah, so if it's yeah. going to come like a thief in the night, I think it's going to surprise all of us. And so yeah. I expect to be surprised, um, even though I'll probably be dead <laughs> when Jesus comes. Um, um, I, I think, though, 
we're looking at life through our lens. I mean, mm. I, I see the world through my eyes yeah. and, and my, I'm an American and, and I'm in a nation that, uh, has historically been, uh, culturally a Christian nation. And, uh, but Christianity isn't spreading like it was. And, and now it, it seems to be shrinking back in, in our culture. But there's other cultures around the world where the message is just on fire mm-hmm. and, and it's going everywhere. And it's, uh, the, you know, hundreds the, of people are coming to Christ every day kind of thing. Yep. Like the middle the church in the Middle East is spreading like crazy right now. And it's great to see. Uh, and I think it is because of these sort of echoes of prophecy truth where our hearts here in the very, you know, privileged, lucky Kush, you know, west america and europe um we're not having that sacrificial love and so of course our numbers are dwindling where um in other places they're skyrocketing what that's right you believe persecution is a good thing i do think i remember talking to you about that yes well i hate that (laughs) i don't know if good thing is necessary (laughs) but if we're if we're doing our job right as christians we'll bring about persecution Uh um i i do think that i mean that's something that i hold to yeah i mean because jesus talks about it so much um what are so related to that point um, we have all of these different theologies of what it might look like. What are sort of the core essentials we should pull? Um, and so by core essentials, I mean, like, what are really, really deep building blocks? Because we're in Christianity 201. What are sort of the deep building blocks we can pull that maybe people from all of these camps might agree with? Maybe not. But what would you say are the core building blocks that we do? Hey, this is really important for us to teach, for us to hold to as far as really a core essential when it comes to the end of times. Yeah. So Jesus in Matthew 25, uh, 24, Jesus says, you know, stand firm, stand firm, stand firm in your faith. Um, it doesn't mean be obstinate, but, but stand firm in mm-hmm. your faith and, and, and hold on to it. Even if the, the love of others grows cold, mm-hmm. ensure that your love doesn't grow cold. Mm-hmm. And how do we do that? You know, uh, some of the ways, you know, I, I tossed out, how, how did the early church do it? You know, they met together every day. Well, we can't necessarily meet together every day, but we can meet together on a regular basis. Um, so so gather yeah, as a body. Yeah. Um, share your life deeply with other believers. Mm. Um, what else? I mean, so we have the scriptures. They didn't have the scriptures, but be in the scriptures. Yeah. Unplug from some of the noise. Um, like the early church, giving to the poor. Feeding the hungry, you know, a lot of these things that might not traditionally be associated with the church or maybe was several hundred years ago, but now we've let our love grow cold. Um, Yeah. Looking at how the early church lived life and using that as a model for us, I think is going to be the way that we don't let our love grow cold because they were under intense persecution, you know, and they were risking a lot and they were the closest in time to Jesus too. And so if we can really look at how they lived life, um, It'll be great for us. I want to say something, J.D., about uh, your ministry at Skyrocket. So I heard uh, something this weekend uh, that was really cool. Uh, A school administrator who was talking about, hey, you know, I've heard some really great things are happening in Prescott. And, and then somebody, uh, somebody said, yeah, you know, we've, we've done a church there in Skyrocket. Oh, I've heard that that's great. I've heard that they're doing, you know, things for kids. And I've heard that they're, they're really uh, trying to uh, do good in the community and, and, you know, whether it's food pantry or all kinds of good stuff um, because the, the church in Prescott, which is the only church in Prescott, is Skyrocket, um, 
is, is just trying to live out their faith. And I think that's a, a fun and incredible um, witness to what the church should be about. And so I just want to um, publicly say, you know, that it's being noticed and it matters. Um, and do people hate it? Maybe some people do. But, but for the most part, I think when we live our faith mm -hmm. um, with pure motives, mm -hmm. people, for the most part, um, they, they almost have to respect it. They, they can't think of anything bad to say about you. Mm -hmm. um, that's great. And so, you know, Scripture says, yeah, they will hate you because of my name. And they might hate you because of Jesus' name. But at the same time, you know, when, you, when you just, you're just loving on your community, like you're doing and like your church is doing, it matters. It matters. It's it, great. It does. And I, there still will be, <laughs> so funny, and I didn't tell you about this, there still will be always people that hate and I think it's a sign that you're, you know, it's a sign that you're doing some things right. So um, Megan and I drive a red truck, right? Mm -hmm. We walk outside of church and there's a pamphlet underneath <laughs> our windshield wiper. Yeah. And I asked everyone else because everyone else is parked by us. There's no other pamphlets. <laughs> right. It's right under ours because they know what we drive um, with, you know, writings on it and circlings pretty much telling us we're going to hell. Oh. Um, oh. Well, not going to hell, but, you know, yeah. it's the mark of the beast because of this. And it's obviously a doctrine that we don't talk about. Um, or really care about uh, because we're trying to focus on Jesus. So anyways, um, yeah, it, it, it still will come with, you know, and that's not persecution per se, but yeah, people might not like it um, because this isn't a, a social gospel. We're not just yeah. doing nice things to do nice things. Um, we want to be very explicit that we are doing this because of Jesus. Right. Um, and because what he has done for us and done in our lives. Um, and yeah, that's the, the end of times. I, you know, been blessed to learn a lot from you to be supported by blue mountain and uh, the amazing community we have in prescott i've learned so much from our congregation members what how do we live in the end of times how do we love other people in our community in the name of jesus um and yeah it's the best witness the best testimony um that we can have yeah so. yeah wow so you're getting notes under your windshield that's one yeah, yeah notes under our windshield i i always <laughs> love stuff i don't know i like i like Stuff like that, because it means, hey, it means we're being bold enough. We're getting noticed. You know, we're actually doing things in the name of Jesus that, yeah. you know, people will disagree with. So. What does persecution look like uh, for us? I mean, you know, you've mentioned we're not really under persecution. And um, and I agree with that in that mm -hmm. I've never dri dripped a, a drop of blood for Jesus. Yeah. Um, I, I've sacrificed a lot, but I've never bled for him. Mm -hmm. um, but you sacrificed a lot emotionally. Sure family wise socially i mean I, I don't have a lot of friends because i'm not doing what a lot of people my age are doing you know what i'm saying like we've sacrificed a lot but we haven't sacrificed physically um so i i'm just i'm just saying don't discount you know yeah. what you what you have sacrificed but yeah. what what does persecution look like um i think that the gospel is countercultural um and if we're doing our job right, we will not be fitting into culture no matter what i don't think the gospel has ever fit in with culture even 200 years ago when America is Christian. I still think true followers of the gospel were countercultural. Yeah. Um, you know, leading the abolitionist movement, you know, sure. followers of Christ were leading the abolitionist movement. The gospel is always countercultural throughout history. And so what it looks like persecution is, you know, we might not be experiencing physical persecution, but if we're doing our job right, uh, we'll experience persecution in other forms. 100%. So what happens when you tell somebody, 
and I don't go around saying, hey, I'm Pastor Jim or something like that. But what happens when somebody finds out you're a pastor? Hey. <laughs> and no, isn't that weird? They, they back I away. Not, yeah, I try not to leave with it. I just say I'm JD because when, when the password. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like you're a vampire. It's like you're a vampire and people are afraid you're going to bite them. Pretty in much. <laughs> Have you experienced oh, that? Oh, yeah. all the time. All the time. I've had people talking to me and they're just being so friendly and, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I pastor church. And they're like, oh, hey, have a great day. And yep. they walk away. They stop swearing around you and they're like, oh, yeah, right. okay. Or you end up hearing, you know, their life story. Yeah. Either one is fine. It's just funny. It's funny. It is. Yeah. And I mean, that's, yeah, that's just come, comes with the turf, I guess. Wrap us up. Um, we believe the end is coming soon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Should we be preaching it on street corners, like the street corner evangelists? What do you think? Uh, yes, we should be street preaching it on the street corner, but not with a bullhorn and not with uh, condemnation. Hmm. We, we preach it on the, on the street corner by helping little old ladies cross the street hmm. or by serving and loving. And, and, um, but I, I, I think it's, it's so much more about, I think people are totally open hmm. to spiritual conversations, but not in your face hmm. kind of thing. We preach it loud, but with action. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But then don't leave out the words too. Yes. Do it in the name of Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's it. We preach it loud. We, yes, I'm doing this because the end is coming and because Jesus loved me first. Um, but we don't lead with that. We lead with our action. Um, and then God will always open a door for us to share our testimony. I'm a big believer in that. I trust that, that God will open the door. Um, and so let's speak it loud with our actions. Let's speak it loud with our words too. I get nervous sharing my faith. I'll be honest. I'm a pastor and I get nervous sharing my faith because I stumble over my words. Uh, but it's a lot easier for me to act something out because yeah. it's easier for me to sh shovel a driveway than it is for me to tell my life story about why I'm following Jesus. Um, and it's going to work a lot better if I shovel that person's driveway and tell them I love Jesus than trying to be eloquent, knocking on doors and telling them why I love Jesus without doing anything first. So just like you said, helping the old lady cross the street is going to be a way bigger witness. Uh, and with that bullhorn, that yeah. big sign, Tony, you're going to hell. Hey, thanks. Uh, Monday matters. Monday matters. Do it again next week. Yep. And it's coming. <laughs> <laughs>